after this. Here's the Messiah, God in the flesh. Oh, man, what a day. My team is out getting food. Peter and John are in Pollo Loco. And, and Jesus is going like, oh, man, I'm thirsty. It's about 12 o'clock noon, and there's the woman. So he looks at this woman with a reputation, promiscuous, philandering woman who happens to be a Samaritan. He looks at her, and by the way, she's getting there at 12 o'clock noon. No one would get water at that time. You avoid the crowd. So she went at that time deliberately to avoid conversations. And Jesus has a conversation with her. <laughs> yeah. Try your best to avoid God. Go ahead. Try your best. To... How many of you in your past? Is there anyone here who could bear witness that you tried your best to avoid going to church, talking to God? How many avoided God and somehow God ended up showing up in the place where you were at? You thought you would only find God in a church, so you avoided going to church. But when you were getting drunk in that bar, surprisingly, the Holy Spirit doesn't care about Jack Daniels. So he showed up, and he messed you up right in that bar. You were hooking up with that person when the Spirit of God showed up and said, This is not what I have for you. I have something amazing for you. So I'm here to tell you, if you're trying to avoid the presence of God, surprise, surprise, surprise. He will meet you right where you are. So she tried to avoid the crowds, avoid conversation. She shows up, and Jesus is there, and he looks at this woman with this incredible reputation, this past. A woman committed to promiscuity to a great degree, philandering, not living right. Her relationships have all failed all of a sudden. Jesus looks at this woman who will never keynote in a marriage seminar. He looks at this woman and says, get me something to drink. Let me speak to you parenthetically. In other words, I want you, broken woman, messed up woman, Samaritan woman, I want you to serve me. I want, I want to speak to you, John 4, 7. As soon as the married woman came to draw water, she said, please give me some drink. I, I, I want to speak to you. For all the people here, Jesus never said, I want you please to, and I say this respectfully, there's nothing wrong with this, but Jesus didn't say, I need you first to go to Bible Institute and then serve me. Can you please go to seminary and then serve me? Can you go through the following 12 steps and then serve me? Can you say three Hail Marys and then serve me? Never. He just said, serve me. He already knew her past. We know this. We know this because he then reveals it. He already knows. Jesus knows. And yet he said, serve me. What does this mean for you and I? There's nothing in your past that disqualifies you from serving God today. Oh, you missed it. I'm speaking to all the people that are not perfect. Well, those of you that have a past, oh, correction. Those of us that have a past, for all the perfect, pristine, holy, righteous people, you were born holy. You were born with a halo, and you are the Pope's cousin. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those of us who have been through a process. I'm talking to... I'm 
talking to those of us that encounter Jesus at the well. I'm talking to all of us. We may not have been philanderers, but we had other issues. And aren't we grateful that when other people didn't want to talk to us, when other people disqualified us, when other people didn't want to be around us, Jesus said, I don't care what you've been through. When I show up, everything changes. When I'm in your life, everything is made new. Yeah, that's wild. You may be wounded, but you can still worship me. You may be in pain, but you can still praise me. Are you with me right now? You don't have to be perfect to serve God. You don't have to be perfect to serve God. You don't have to be perfect to serve God. Because in my presence, all things are possible. Because when I show up, everything is made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. That's what Jesus is saying. How do I know I made you? How do I know I designed you? How do I, I put you together in your mama's womb? Jesus is saying parenthetically, I am the architect of your destiny and the designer of your dream. Listen carefully. If you look hard enough, we find God in the midst of our service to others. Serve God with what you have and he will take care of what you need. Serve God with what you have, Pastor Sam, but I'm broken, I'm wounded. Serve him. Praise God with what you have and he will take care of what you need. Worship God with what you have and he will take care of what you need. Give God what you have and he will take care of your need. Because at the end of the day, a broken praise is still a praise. And at the end of the day, a wounded worshiper is still a worshiper. So Jesus asked a sexually promiscuous philandering woman to give him something. With a sketchy past, your past will never stop God from using you. I want to say this for someone here, someone online. The mistakes of your past cannot stop your future ministry. Your reputation will never trump God's righteousness. I'm a, I feel an anointing, and I'm going to prophesy now, and I'm going to speak prophetically into your circumstance. You're about to see the righteousness of God redeem your reputation. God's about to give you a new rep. I even sense the Lord saying, I'm going to give you a new record. When they go back to your past, they're not going to find anything back there. Well, they... Your past failures do not disqualify you from future favor. In other words, the broken pieces from back there cannot hold back the blessed piece up here. And if you think, hey, Pastor Sam, that's good enough for 2,000 years ago. Like, that, that rarely happens now. You're, you're trying. Jesus asked a woman who swipe, swipe to serve him. God, and, he, and then he dealt with her entire past in one conversation. Who does that? That doesn't happen anymore, right? I mean, it really does it. I mean, it's like, that's a nice little, well, we need to get into some, in, are we, we are streaming right live to a lot of people. I have to be careful. I want to share with you some church gossip. There's a guy in this church, true story. I didn't know this till a few weeks ago. I was hanging out with this certain person and he gave me this story, so it stays here. And the 6.5 million out there. So um, I, this guy comes up and he tells me a story. So uh, there's a guy in our church who a oh, close to a decade ago, um, I have to put this in a, in a very nuanced way. He engaged in interstate commerce. 
with products in his car um, that would be some sort of pharmaceutical enhancement for the purpose of engaging your synapses in order for you to be stimulated to feel some sort of euphoria would be the right do, do, am I making any sense so let's just say how about this he was an entrepreneur He technically had his own business. Yeah. Sharp guy, educated, you know, brilliant guy, but he just thought this was the fastest way to make money. I didn't even know this story. And he comes along and he engages in this interstate commerce free enterprise. So when the cops stopped him and they found the product, lots of it, Lots of it. Mm, too much of it. So he goes to jail, and then he goes through the process, our legal process, and our judicial system. The judge looks at him and says, sir, here it is. Go through the process. Is that your part? Yeah, all right, well, it is. Here's your sentence. Ten years. You're going to be minimum ten years, $180,000 fine. So you're telling, oh, I stopped telling you. Let me tell, come up here. So, Mr. Entrepreneur, uh, free enterprise, capitalism, go get him, team. Hey. So, so you, so, all right, judge looks at you and you're done, right? So you're on the screen, the judge says, how many years? Uh, judge, judge says, $180,000 bail, minimum 10 years, and I would still be in there today. So your, your sentence, right? Yep. So now you, you are in jail, and now the next step is that they pick you up and they transfer you to your state prison. Prison. Right. So you're in jail, you're in county jail, from county jail, you go to state prison. So you're in jail now, you've been sentenced, you've convicted, went through the process, quick admonition to get rid of the bureaucracy. Boom, you plead, there it is, done. 10 years, 10 years, 10 years minimum in prison, gotcha. While you're, now you, didn't, you, you weren't a church guy, this guy wasn't a church guy. No Jesus in his life, no Holy Spirit, no God, none of that. So he had nothing, he had no religious rubric at all whatsoever, no idea. So he's in jail, you see a bunch of guys doing what in jail? Uh, they're huddled up in the corner reading the Bible. So you see a bunch of guys in jail reading the Bible. Yeah. God, see, no matter where you are, it, I, no, it, God's not afraid of your jail cell. God's not afraid of the depression you're going through. God's not afraid of your divorce. I don't care how dark it may be in your life. Jesus is not afraid of the dark and he will show up. He'll meet you right where you are. So you're in jail, no concept of religion, church, God, Christianity, any of that. So you, I mean, you're never, you're never enamored to it. That's not what you grew up with. And all of a sudden, these guys are having this Bible study. With and what do you do? So I walk up to them and I say, what are you guys reading? They said, it's the Bible. You want to read it? I said, yeah, let's do it. Start reading it throughout the 10 days. So you start reading the Bible for the first time in your life throughout the 10 days. And, 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 and what happens? I tell God, God, if you are who you say you are in this Bible, you'll get me out of this situation. That's like, that's after the fact. He's already been sentenced. Should have made that prayer like before the judge made the sentence. How many know it's never too late for God? Let me say that one more time. How many know it's never too late for God? 
the judge already sentenced him and he makes his cuckoo for Cocoa Puff prayer after he's already been sentenced. If you get me out of here, who does that? So, on the 10th day, the, the, the guard, the prison guard, or the jail guard, to be technical about it, comes to open up your the door the, the, of, of your prison cell to take you, you know, you're, you're assuming transporting you now to the, to the state prison because that's what's supposed to happen according to what the judge said. So on the 10th day, the guard comes up and does what? He says, Mr. Portillo, let's go. So you come out, right? Come out. So you're walking out. Walking uh -huh. out. Then he points to that exit sign. I see the he, word he, exit. He pointed to a what sign? An exit sign. To an exit sign. Yeah. And, and then you, you ask him what? I said, what's going on? He said, all evidence uh, that was held against you disappeared from the DA's office, and we don't know what happened. He said, so get out of here. You know, all evidence that was against you, that, that promoted you, has all disappeared, so the district attorney has no other choice throw it out. but to throw you out. I'm here to tell you all the evidence that the enemy had against you has disappeared. You're not. I'm here to tell you, put a shout on your lip and a praise in your heart. All the evidence the enemy had against you has disappeared. If you believe that praise like he did it for you. Does anybody know what he's talking about in this place? That's wild. That's wild. But to me, that's crazy. Wait a second. So you're telling me, and it's not, did he deserve to be in prison? Yes. Should he have suffered the consequences of his mistakes? Absolutely. God supernaturally intervened and took a young man with a great purpose, showed up miraculously. To this day, they don't know what happened to the evidence. It just disappeared. And what is he now? He is a pastor. I feel the Lord. I'm here to tell you if God did it for him, he'll do it for you. If God did it for him, he'll do it for your children and your children's children and the people you love. How many believe God is the God of the impossible? If he can use a Samaritan woman and he can use a Luis Portillo, he can do it for you. I love this. He's still in the business of making things disappear. He's still in the business of looking at an unorthodox entrepreneur and say, I'm going to use your life. From that day, his life has never been the same. Went to college, university, graduated, Bible, everything, and now he's a pastor serving Jesus. I don't know if you get this. I don't know if you get this. I'm, let me, can I speak into you right now? Are you ready to see your family's reputation is about to be redeemed? I'm, your family will not be known by the mistakes of the past. Your family will be known for shining the glory of the risen Christ. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. I'm going to say it again. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. I love that. Thank you. Thank this is amazing. Thank you. Woohoo! I'm gonna I'm gonna land this. I'm gonna land this. He he looks at a woman who had a pass and he says, serve me. Who does that? Only Jesus. You have a pass. I even know about you. Serve me. Serve me. Give me. Serve me. 
You know what she does next? She tries to find excuses. Read it. We can, I, I, you, you and I shouldn't even. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We hate each other. You think the whole racial stuff is new? <laughs> no. Back then, look. This is a racial thing. I'm going to make it about race. She wanted to make it about race, and Jesus flipped the script and said, read it. He, he ignored her. No, he did. She goes, oh, Mom, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Say something. And, and he pivots. It's like, I'm not going to answer your question. In other words, you want to make it about race and culture. I'm part of a greater culture, the kingdom culture. I'm not going to fall into that trap. I'm not falling into that trap. No, no, no. And, and I'm not falling into that trap. So then she comes out, other excuses. Oh, the bucket, you don't have a long, the bucket, you don't have a bucket that'll go that deep. You don't have a rope that'll go that, you don't have any. And he just ignores that. Read it, he ignores her. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one of the greatest anointings you can have in life is the anointing to ignore certain questions. Not every question, not every query requires you to respond. There are people in your life who you love, who God has anointed you to speak life into you, and they want to push back by asking you tons of questions that are not germane or relevant to God's purpose in your conversation. The enemy wants to keep you stuck in the minutia, in the weeds, in things that don't matter, in the superficial layer of, of, of conversations that don't even speak to the prophetic purpose of every single life. And you would, so then he looks at her. She continues to ask questions. Can you imagine this? Watch this. He asks, asks it's about race. The bucket's not. But who do you think you are? Abraham? You think you're better than like the far right? And Jesus didn't even answer that. He just looked at her. He's like this. And then he responds to one of the greatest things. After she's done asking all these questions, he just looks at her and says, if you only knew. If you only knew, if you only knew who's in front of you, if you only knew the gift I have for you, you wouldn't be asking these silly questions. You would be asking me for what you really need in your life. And I would be providing what you need because I am the answer to those, to that question of life. If you only knew, oh, if you only knew, if you only knew, if you only knew, I need you to do this now. I want you to touch your neighbor and say, if you only knew. I'm going to ask you, if you only knew, if you only knew the times that God covered you when others wanted to expose you. If you only knew the multiple occasions the angels of heaven surrounded you when the gates of hell were unleashed to stop you. If you only knew the nights, you would be praising differently, worshiping differently, praying differently. If you only knew the nights the Holy Spirit prayed for you when you couldn't even pray for yourself. If you only knew the countless moments he shut the lion's mouth and protected you in the midst of the fiery furnace. By the way, if you only knew how he protected you by removing people from your life and your surroundings. Anybody here right now? It may have cost you some pain, but.
but if you only knew that God saw your future and God said, I'm going to do something now in order to protect your next. If you only knew how many are now grateful, how many can give God praise for the process? How many can worship him for the process? How many can give him glory for what you've been through? Somebody say, I know that I don't know everything. You don't know the times that God protected you in your car, in your job. You don't know the people that came your way to deceive you and God showed up and just supernaturally removed them. You have no idea what God protected you from. If you only knew. He says, if you only knew the gift I have for you. That's the gift of salvation the apostle Paul references in Romans. The gift of eternal life. Of abundant life, of new life, even the spiritual gifts, even the ministerial gifts of Ephesians 4.11. If you only knew, if you only knew, if you only knew how God is intervening right now as we speak, your posture would be different. You would live differently, act differently, believe differently. If you only knew, please repeat after me, I know that I don't know everything. And then comes the moment. The moment he explains to her, she distinguishes between that water and this water the moment she understands the metaphor prophetically what it means she goes ah I got it she goes I want what you have I want to drink from your well from your life from your truth I want that and then Jesus looks at her and says you got it I got it he goes Now go get your husband. She looks at him and says, oh, I'm not married. He says, I know. You've been married five times. He knew everything about her. You've been married five times. So he knows the bless you and the broken you. He knows the strong you and the weak you, and he still loves you. He's still speaking with you and through you and to you. He says, I know. The five you had, and you're living with a man right now who's not your husband. Nevertheless, he says, go get your husband. I want you to hear this. I'm going to land right now at this point. Some, and God bless other preachers who are beautiful. Amen. Beautiful. But I've grown up all my life hearing pastors and preachers take this passage and say the following. Jesus was tricking her. When he told her to go get her, he, Jesus in essence is engaging in some sort of strategy to trick her, to have her confess the fact that she's living in an inappropriate relationship. I just can't buy that. I don't drink the Kool-Aid of Jesus engaged in deception. I can't. I, because the book is the book. Why are we reading into it? What did Jesus say? Go get your wife. Stop. Jesus told her to go get your wife. She had how many before? And then she was living with a guy who wasn't hers. That's six failures. Jesus looks at her after she confesses that she receives the revelation. And he says, okay, now go get your husband. You know what he's saying? All right, now that you got this, now go get what you attempted to get on your own and fail. Go get what you, you, you got it before you knew me. But now that you know me, now you can get what you've been looking for. Now you can get what you've been searching for. Now you can get what you were hoping for. What is God telling you today? Go get your breakthrough. Go 
get your dream. Go get your family restored. Go get everything that God has ordained for you. Lift up your hands. Go get your husband. Let me explain to you with your hands raised. Let me lay it out for you. Go get your dream fulfilled. Go get the health you've been longing for. Go get the breakthrough you've been hoping for. God is authorizing you to do what you couldn't do before successfully. In other words, God is telling you you will succeed in the very area you failed in your past. God is telling you that you will thrive in the area of your previous demise. God is telling you that you will have the victory in the area of your prior defeat. Go get your husband. I'm here to tell you there's someone here you failed so many times in a certain area in your life. And God is telling you now that you're drinking from the well. Oh, I feel a breakthrough. You tried to start that company so many times and it failed. But now that you have an anointing and a revelation of the truth, go live out the dream that I, I feel the Lord. Go live out your ministry. Go walk out your calling. Go get what God has already prescribed with your name on it. If you receive this, lift up both hands. If you receive it for you and your children and your children's children, lift both hands really high. And if you truly receive it, look at your neighbor, tell them this is the season to go get what God has ordained with your name on it. Tell your other neighbor, the areas in the past where you experienced defeat, where you experienced failure, tell them, put a smile on your face. You are about to experience victory, overflow, blessedness, anointing, and breakthrough. I'm declaring you're about to see it. Not, not next year, not two years from now. We're declaring that before this year is over, you will have in your hands what you've been hoping, praying, and searching for. If this is you, praise like it's all you. Worship like it's all you. Celebrate like it's all you. God said, go get it. She says, what, what do you mean, man? I'm not even married. Says, yeah, I know you had five and they failed. And then you have, you're living with one, and he ain't even yours. Thank God for the five that left and the one that has to leave. Cut off the dead things if you want to live. Cut off the dead things if you want to thrive. Go get it, go, go get it, go get it, go get it. If you would only read the rest of this passage, this is, we get it to worship. I want you to hear this. Genesis, Jacob, Isaac, Moses in Exodus, where do they meet their wives? You missed it. Jesus was not attempting to get married here, but he was showing us through typology, symbolism, he is the bridegroom. The church is his bride. And he's going to take a, a humanity that is dirty, redeemed by his blood, launch his church. And he's saying, at the well, we have this encounter. She had six men. He's the seventh man. The number of perfection. Everything changes. So I'm here to tell you, we are a 
about to encounter Samaritans like we've never encountered before. Yesterday on this property, do you think it's a coincidence of commemorating the 20th year of the towers coming down? The Lord ordains that out of 50 states in this nation, the Lord ordains that on September 11th, right after what we've been through in Afghanistan, even the debacle of our withdrawal, do you think it's a coincidence that yesterday I had the privilege of interacting with a bunch of Afghan refugees? Muslim Afghan refugees were on our church property. Out of all the churches in America, do you think it's a coincidence they were on this property? This church is not just gonna... We're not just gonna talk about it from the platform. We're gonna live it out. We were able to look at the Samaritans that were here yesterday and say, Jesus loves you. There is a well. There is a well. There is a well, a well of living water. Is there anyone here ready to change the world? Stand with me. Go get your husband. Go get your dream, your purpose, your calling fulfilled. This woman became a primary conduit by which the Samaritans received the gospel of Christ. Later on, you will read about how Samaria was turned upside down. She was it, the key conduit. This woman became a primary conduit, a de facto evangelist. That's crazy. Five husbands shacking up with a man who wasn't even hers. Jesus shows up, changes everything, and she becomes a spokesperson for the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. Nothing in your past. Nothing. It's time to change the world around us. It's time to go to every Samaritan in our community, in our nation, in the world. It's time to tell every single broken person about the fullness of life in Christ. Let God use your life like he's using Lewis, the Samaritan woman. Get ready for God to move in you, with you, and through you. I'm in Jesus' name. You're about to see the glory of Jesus shine. I sense that in my spirit. I'm done. Lift up your hands. I sense God. I wrote about this and I alluded to this as you have your hands raised. This woman had to overcome the cultural, the gender related, the taboos of that time and age. She had so many questions. There was a battle. This woman, you're looking at a battle. A battle. Everybody look up here right now for a second. I've been writing about this on my social media platforms, inspired by the Spirit of God. The battle right now is between your mind and your mantle. always be between your mind and your mantle. The battle right now is between your anointing and anxiety. The greater the anointing, the greater the attempt for you to suffer from anxiety. You're, you're going to get this tomorrow. Are you? I sense a breakthrough right now as I'm speaking to you. The battle is between your mind and your mantle, between anointing and anxiety, between your flesh and your spirit between your reputation and his righteousness.
There's a battle going on. And why are you in this auditorium? Why are you streaming right now? You are here because God wants to remind you that the battle belongs to God. Victory has already been attained. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Lift up your hands. For every person here who is ready to stand up and say, I embrace my mantle, my calling, my commitment to serve. To serve God by serving others. To serve God by becoming a blessing to everyone I know. My past cannot stop me. My reputation in the past, just like Louis Portillo, what past? The evidence has disappeared. The blood of Jesus has dealt with my past. Therefore, I will pursue the righteousness of God. I will live a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring life. I will walk in integrity. I'm going to change the world around me. The enemy's trying to shut me down with anxiety. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I bind that in the name of Jesus. Depression cannot stop my destiny. I need somebody to say depression cannot stop my destiny. I need somebody to shout anxiety cannot stop my anointing. I need somebody to really shout, I have a mantle. I have a mantle. I have a mantle that is greater than anything that can go through my mind. And in Jesus' name, from now on, I will not go from problem to problem. As for me and my house, we will go from glory to glory to glory to glory. That's it, we're done.